Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined by top London radio DJ and certified, did it again, certified Japanophile, <laughs> Mr. Pete Donaldson. How are you doing that again, Chris? That's fantastic. I so much enjoyed your certified Japanophile uh, nonsense from last week, and you've repeated your performance, which is fine because I'm also repeating my performance in that I'm not wearing a shirt. It's so hot in London. Isn't that hot? It's ridiculous. Right. And also the um, the office that I'm in and the studio that I'm in has no air conditioning. Or it does. Temperature? Uh, I, I wouldn't like to speculate right now, to be honest. I imagine it's in the high 31s in here. Puh. Puh. I can trump that. Puh. 38 degrees. <laughs> I think. But the, the problem here, right, is humidity. That's yes. the thing that really makes it feel a lot hotter because the air is really moist uh it's not like when it's it's dry heat and you can just dive into the shade and mm. cool down like the, when the air is just all moist and hot you can't escape it and it just it really like penetrates your clothes and you feel sweaty and oily and horrible usually so, yeah um, damn you humidity <laughs> humidity i've got a mate humidity humidity <laughs> i've got a mate called humidity Kat, meets in, nudity who's in uh, kyoto who uh, uh instagrammed a shot of her weather app uh, and because of right. the um, the wind and also the moisture in the air, it basically give you like a review of how hot it feels. Uh, and it was forty six degrees. It felt uh, Celsius. Forty six oh. degrees Celsius. That's what it felt like, even though it was only thirty nine. I mean, only thirty nine. That's still very, very hot indeed. Terrible. Well, hence the hence the heat wave the other yeah. week, right? That uh, killed people, led to thousands going to hospital with heat strokes. You know, that's no surprise when you're dealing with that sort of temperatures. Dreadful. Dreadful situation. Japan uh, so- in summer. <laughs> Best avoided. It's not nice. No. Um, so how have you been, Chris? What have you been up to? What have you been planning? I know you've always got fingers in pies and stuff. Fingers in pies. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not certified, no. but I do have fingers in pies. <laughs> and the pie that I've got my finger in this week, this I'm, enough of the pie. Uh, I, uh, I'm doing uh, Yamabushido training with Ryotaro uh, in the next few days and the weekend. Yamabushido is, Yama means mountain, Bushido means way of the, kind of, way of the samurai, way of the warrior. Basically, we're going to go up into the mountains and do this sort of aesthetic, religious training, uh, where we can only eat, like, trees. I haven't really read what we're doing, but I think we can only eat, like, a tree, and we have to wear this white, kind of, outfit that symbolises death, and... (laughs) Just march for a forest for six hours or something. To be honest, I don't really know. Ryotaro just signs me up and sets me up for these things, and then I go along with it and film it. We did do one back in um, in February, and it's a video on the channel, right. uh, and that one was in winter. We were marching through a forest in like a foot of snow, and it was cold. Uh, you, I think, I, if I recall, I wasn't wearing socks or something as of because of the outfit, and my feet were nearly frozen solid by the end of the hour or two that we were in the forest. So this is the opposite end of the spectrum. This is going to be extremely hot. Uh, so I'm a little bit scared, especially with the heat wave and the 46 degree feeling temperature. So yes, I'm a little bit wary, but it should be nice. I think one part of it involves standing in a waterfall. Oh, nice. Which is That'll fun. Cool you down. Um, yeah. Don't know how my camera's going to handle that, but yeah, it'll be nice. <laughs> I suppose nice. it's good good preparation, right, for the uh, 
the upcoming cycle in two or three months or whatever it is now. So I need to start getting into shape and start disciplining myself. Mm. So it kind of fits in nicely with that. It's, and maybe um, one day when you're over here, you can do it too. We'll <laughs> drag up a mountain. And... It's, uh, it Who sounds doesn't? A, it sounds a little bit brought back mountain, but I'm going with it, Chris. <laughs> I think it's going to be just retreating to the mountains <laughs> with your friend, with your sexy friend, Riotta, oh. and having a lovely time. I'm having it, Chris. I'm having it. It's lovely. And you know what? You know what's up there? Do you know what's up there, Pete? Love. Not just a waterfall. The genuine risk of bears. Oh, no. And what's the word for bear? The word for what's bear the word is... For bear? I've forgotten, Chris, and you only oh, told come me on. Ago. It's terrible, isn't it? That's why I... It's hot. All right, we need to do what you normally do, mnemonics. Yes, you need okay. a word that sounds like it. So okay. the word is kuma. 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 Um, so why, don't like kuma? I, why don't I shorten the word for car, which is karuma... Uh, right. And imagine a, a bear driving a car, which there was a video Perfect. game called, um, I think it was just Bear Driver or something, and it was this charming <laughs> little lo-fi um, downloadable PC game uh, where you had um, one hand, and it was a bear's hand, and you would have to drive a car <laughs> just with one hand, and it was wonderful. It was one of my favourite things what ever. What the fuck? It was, it was, when, when did this come out? It was like an indie game, uh, <laughs> bear driving game. I'm taking it into... Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, EnviroBear no 2000. Way. It was called EnviroBear I... 2000 Operation Hibernation, and it came out back in uh, 2010, I believe, but it's just wonderful. The, the only reason I believe you is because I've seen Goat Simulator. And after <laughs> I saw that, I thought, well, anything's possible. So I'll take your word on it, and I know what I'm going to be looking up straight after this podcast. Usually, EnviroBear um, 2000. <laughs> on the subject of bears, though, uh, we've got three kind of news stories from across Japan this week. Three mm. interesting news stories. One of them, and my favourite one, it does involve a bear. Oh. Uh, and it's kind of good timing, given our podcast the other week when we discussed bears and the threat of bears. Whenever you're walking around the countryside, anywhere in Japan, near a mountain, even on the edge of a city, you will see signs saying, warning, bear. Mm. And I've yet to see one. I've never seen one, um, because I'm too scared. When I do see a sign for a bear, I tend to just turn around and flee. So... <laughs> Best avoided. But uh, uh, a farmer up in Aomori Prefecture, Aomori at the top of Tohoku, home to apples in Japan. They do some lovely apples, great oh. cider. Uh, a farmer was sitting there in his orchard last Wednesday, uh, and as he was sitting there, two, two bear cubs burst out from behind a tree, and he started to back away. And then the parent came out and noticed him. And as, it, as a bear approached him, he ran away. But, like a lot of people would, he tripped and fell. He fell over um, just because he probably wasn't prepared for such a thing. I don't know how I would act if a bear started coming towards me. I'd probably sprint and fall over myself. What would you do? I would shout, uh, Fatatsu Kuma, and then turn on my heel, <laughs> throw a sigh over my right shoulder, and run for the trees. <laughs> climb God, a tree, like climb a tree. That. But would you do what the man did next? Uh, so this guy, after he fell over... The bear reached him, and acting on instinct, he stood up and punched the bear in the face. Nice. Uh, punched him square in the nose, and uh, apparently the, the bear thought, fuck that, and uh, <laughs> turned and ran away into the mountains with its two cubs, and the man was safe, having suffered no injuries, and that's an incredible 
Incredible getaway. It's happened quite a few times in Japan, actually. It's uh, it's quite quite a lot of people seem to punch bears in the face to escape. It seems to work. So <laughs> if you do come face to face with a bear, now you know what to do. Punch it in yeah. the bloody face. I mean, he didn't punch the kids in the Only face, thing. which is which showed a certain amount of reserve. <laughs> Those poor little bear cubs. I bet they were adorable, though. I bet they were bloody adorable. I bet they were lovely. <laughs> the only problem is the bear and the cubs uh, are now being hunted by the local authorities because oh. this sighting happened just 800 metres away from the local junior high school. Oh. Uh, and they think it's a threat to the safety of the children. So unfortunately, the children are scared and the bears might meet their demise as a result of this meeting. So it's it's kind of a sad story at the sad. end there. Yeah, the guy survived and punched a bear in the face, but it's not going to end well for anyone. So... Bit of a, so bit of a sad ending there. I mean, to be honest, you don't want to... If you've punched a bear in the face, you don't want to take that secret to your grave. You want to tell everyone. I stood up to a bear, punched <laughs> it in the face, and then ran off. Yeah. <laughs> it would be on my CV. It, I'd have it at the top of my CV. <laughs> I'd call myself bear, bear Puncher Donaldson. <laughs> bear Puncher Donaldson. Yeah. It's a CV-worthy event, isn't it? <laughs> Hugely. But, it's in my uh, record of yeah, achievement. Sad ending. I just... Uh, I kind of hope they don't catch the bear. And you it just what? manages to flee back into the mountains of Almory, to be honest. This, this situation, I despair of it. I oh, know. Mm. But what else is going on around Japan, Mr Donaldson? I, I don't think you understand, Chris. I despair of it. Bear. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So you weren't, um, you weren't just uh, running sh- slipshod over my pun. You just didn't respect it. Um, big news, Chris. Maybe it was both. <laughs> uh, so, um, 7-Eleven. News from 7-Eleven. One of the big three with your Lawsons and your... Uh, blah. what's that funny Sunkiss one or whatever it's called? That is not Sunkiss. Sunkiss. There you go. That is not part of the big three. You've missed out Family Mart. Oh yeah, Family Mart's the other one. Sunkiss. Sun you don't no. see that much. Yeah. Um, Seven Eleven. Seven Eleven have announced a um, a self serve draft beer. Would you believe? Except they did so and then they decided <laughs> against it. Basically, Seven Eleven. Uh, as you're well aware, Chris. Uh, you can go in there and serve yourself a little cup of coffee. Yeah, you, you go in, you grab a you know like a little cup with ice in it. You pay for it, go up to the machine, pour yourself iced coffee. I used to do it every single morning mm. on the way to school, uh, as there was a Seven Eleven kind of en route to school, and I'd go in, get a little pizza bread <laughs> and uh, iced coffee, and away I went. And it was a great start to the morning, and I just had a nice coffee from Seven Eleven now, so I love it. So following on from that, beer, great idea. Yeah. Right? They've, well, they've uh, they've come out with um, a quick a quick uh, draft beer system. Um, so you buy a, an empty cup and then you place it under the tap and you hit the button for a bit of beer. Um, and it's not like cheap, much is it? crappy beer. This is like Ichiban right. Shibori, uh, Kirin's flag uh, flagship brew. It's a decent it's a decent beer. Um, so yeah. it started on That's July amazing. the 17th, or it was supposed to start on July the 17th, at the extremely affordable price of just 100 yen, which is... Ninety ninety cents, aka that's, that's insane. Like it's like sixty p. Top quality piece. beer for ninety cents. It's incredible. That's a steal. Cans cost two hundred thirty five yen usually. Yeah, so that's a steal. Yeah, and a, a hundred ninety yen for uh, a medium cup, uh, which is just a steal. It really is amazing. Um, however, heartbreaking news came on the first day when Seven Eleven announced that it was suspending the program before it even began. Uh, it was made by the chain <sighs> central management. A spokesman for the company offered the vague explanation. We'd received a tremendous response from the announcement of the programme and we anticipate a high demand and now we've decided to suspend the programme, <laughs> which is not how... <laughs> oh, shit. Not how that works. Not how That's commercial not ideas work. The thing is, um, if you go to any city-based 
um, Convini, like your Larson's or your 7-Elevens. Um, a mm. lot of them have that um, weird kind of piercing noise that can only be heard by people in their 20s. Uh, that stop people congregating outside the 7-Elevens because, you know, drinking in, in Japan can be a little bit expensive, certainly in the premium bars and um, uh, bars of, right, uh, yeah. of, of Tokyo and, and Osaka and the big cities. Um, so it can be very expensive by the end of the night. So what people do is, uh, and certainly what foreigners do, uh, is uh, they, they, they buy a drink, a few drinks in um, in the in the convenies, the convenience stores, and then they just stand outside and congregate and just drink on the street because it's legal well I, um but yeah what, i, I actually recommend like it. it to people as a way of like seeing japan mm. I, I remember when my friends came over we uh we just got some beers and walked around asakusa the kind of traditional neighborhood in tokyo in the evening really nice you know nice evening summer air beer in hand lovely old ancient temple mm. perfect so this this would have been legendary to get a hundred yen draft beer from 7-eleven <laughs> would have been a dream uh it's a bit unfair to propose this, like, legendary, brilliant thing and then pull it the day that it's supposed to begin. That's like offering, like, a free Ferrari to somebody and then being like, by the way, I've changed my mind now, I'm taking the Ferrari back and just <laughs> driving away in it. That sucks. Before it On the other happens. hand, I can see why they did it. Oh, hugely. I can definitely I mean, see you're why you're effectively turning your convenience store into a pub and then you're having to police that <laughs> and stop drunkards just drunkenly just constantly drinking. It would just turn the whole thing weird. I could see a lot of problems arising. Like outside the front of 7-Eleven, just people there <laughs> getting wasted on 100 yen premium beer. No. Especially, again, beer costs 500 yen in any bar, right? When you go to any bar or izakaya, yeah. it's about 500 yen That's for a beer. a small measure. So one-fifth the price, everybody would do it. Hugely. Especially me. <laughs> yeah. I drink during the day, which I never do. Don't believe that. I mean, <laughs> that 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 kind of news story goes hand in hand with the other news story mm. uh, that's that's on the headlines at the moment. Uh, and it, it also sounds too good to be true, but it is actually true. This is actually slightly better. So KFC Japan is offering all-you-can-eat fried chicken every Friday for the rest of the summer. Yeah, what fried chicken? Unbelievable! I so am in Fukuoka next week. <laughs> I'm so excited. Perfect. I'm getting involved. So. You've got to be, it's, it's on a Friday, it's after 4pm, because it has to be, it's a dinner time thing, dinner time special. Uh, it starts July 20th and finishes August 31st. It costs 1,380 yen, which is just $12. Uh, and for that, you can eat all the original recipe fried chicken you can for 45 minutes. Question <laughs> is, how much can you eat, Mr. Donaldson? How much can you stuff your face with? In 45 minutes. I mean, the lot, big I chunks of chicken. I reckon I reckon they probably um, serve a lot of the, that big chunky chicken, like the big kind of lumps and stuff. They don't serve the spicy wings. That's right, yeah. Spicy wings, my basic order is 12 spicy wings and maybe some coleslaw. Don't usually go for the fries, can't be bothered with them. <laughs> That's just wasting space that could be inhabited yeah. by spicy wings. God, I love spicy wings. And the day Absolutely. that I discovered spicy wings was a day... I got that little bit more unhealthy. <laughs> I mean, KFC Japan, I must say, isn't that good, though. Right. Uh, and that's for two reasons. Number one, no popcorn chicken, or at least I've never mm. seen it. Uh, and number two, no gravy sauce that I know of either. Oh. And I love that gravy sauce, dipping the old chicken in. I used to get KFC quite a lot when I was a university student, to the detriment yeah. of my health. That's probably why I came to Japan relatively overweight. Uh, <laughs> but, I, yeah, I used to get KFC like once a week, and I've only had it three or four times in six years in Japan, just because 
it's also really expensive and the chicken the um it just doesn't taste as good i don't know why it is i've always been a bit underwhelmed by it maybe it's because it's like it feels like twice the price of the uk right but pricier not as good quality and no popcorn chicken which is like my favorite thing (laughs) Uh, but this could swing it i probably will try it at least once i don't think i'll make a video about it even though it would do pretty well, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> add that to my list of food, fast food-based content that yeah. people seem to enjoy. But, I don't know. I think I'm above that now. I don't know. I mean, you had a video know. with me in it a little while ago, so, I mean, I'd say your True. standards have slipped massively <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> I must... I mean, I I made that McDonald's video, didn't I? The McDonald's cheesy fry video. Yes. Uh, it was actually... So, I came... I was in Japan. Uh, I moved to Sendai and it was like the first video I made uh, I was living in a hotel at the time looking for an apartment and uh, yeah I just literally went out bought McDonald's uh, and they had this cheesy fry thing which is like a cheese sauce you just put it on the fries that was all it was just this crappy <laughs> cheesy sauce and it got a quarter of a million it got no it got half a million views Bloody hell. in one night I went to sleep woke up half a million views it was on American television such was the <laughs> Such was the popularity of it. Uh, uh, so, yeah. And, I'm, and yet I'm really not proud of that video because it took like 10 minutes to make. There was no passion in it. Mm. It was just me in my hotel room eating some cheesy fries. Sods law, isn't it? It just made me feel a little bit depressed for, for YouTube in general. <laughs> and also, um, I quite enjoyed your um, Christmas Day video where you went and bought um, like a KFC um, special Christmas meal. That was yes, a good Yes, that's one. a good example. KFC Christmas meal... So that is the only redeeming factor of KFC. That is one of the three or four times I've had it, and that was the old, uh, obviously, no turkey, no turkey in Japan for Christmas. Mm. So the next best thing is KFC fried chicken. As I mentioned before, it is something you microwave. Like, you just put it in the microwave, and that was it. It came in this, like, red wine sauce as well. Like, if you took away the KFC packaging, you probably wouldn't even know it was KFC. Yeah. Um but it was it was okay, you know. It was better than I was expecting. But to eat microwave KFC food on Christmas Day, that's a bit of a low point, isn't it? I do remember <laughs> looking out the window at the snow and just thinking, what what's led to this? Yeah, how, how is low? This, how is this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sitting on the floor of my apartment <laughs> on my, with my KFC out the microwave, fresh out the microwave. It, was, it just all felt very, very depressing. No, uh, yeah, I, I mean. You have to eat something, uh, and if you want something a little bit fancy, I mean, to be fair, it was like fifty quid, wasn't it? So um, it's not like it's it not, was, it wasn't it, financially. Yeah, uh, that was a depressing thing. <laughs> you spent all the that money. The sheer on. sum of money, you know, you can spend up to a hundred dollars on the KFC Christmas menu, and yet I would actually advise people to try it at least once if they are stuck in Japan for Christmas. Yeah, huge. Generally, when it's Christmas in Japan, I do try to escape. Now I do try and get back to the UK. Yeah, because it's my favourite time of year, and I found. In Japan, it's always been relatively underwhelming. Like, did I tell you I worked on Christmas Day? I probably did tell you, because I've been so bitter about it for years. <laughs> I remember so well sitting alone in the staff room, because I absolutely refused to take holiday leave, because you have to come into work that day. The only way you get Christmas Day off in Japan uh, when you're working is if you do take holiday leave, and a lot of people right. do it, because it's near the weekend, mm. so you can get a nice little long holiday. But I didn't. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm defiant. And I just sat there eating this crappy bento in the staff room, which usually has 120 staff in it, but only had about 10 in it, oh. of which I was one that day. 
<laughs> and I remember just thinking, this is shit. Like, <laughs> a real low point in my Japan experience. So ever since then, yeah, I get out. Get out as best I can. Get out as best you can. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's like, uh, if they don't celebrate, it's it's. I think it would be interesting to do once, but only once, and then just go back to what you normally do, i.e. celebrate Christmas and eat nice food, but not KFC. With a turkey. (laughs) A turkey, no less. Oh, man. Yeah, chicken doesn't quite cut it. No, hugely. Sweet chocolate. Wow. So shall we uh, do a quick email before we have to chip off here on the Abron Japan podcast yes so we've got three questions from the fax machine this Mm. week what have we got Donny yes hello to Anne in London you mentioned in one of the podcasts that Japanese uh, don't get sarcasm but I'd like to point out that that's not entirely correct the Japanese are plenty sarcastic Mm. with subtle subtle, uh, nuances thrown in for example if I'm dressed to impress in a multicoloured Gautier uh, ensemble thinking I look fabulous a friend might say oh you look good in anything don't you now they might actually mean it but it's almost certain they mean, God, aren't you a bit embarrassed looking like that? It all depends on their <laughs> tone. Um, the Japanese sarcasm can be a little bit uh, inken, sly or nasty. I was born in Japan and therefore have mm. had to deal with it by responding with a self-depreciating remark or an equally snide comment while uh, smiling at the same time. I know it sounds bitchy. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Anne in London. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned mm. that before, though, haven't you? Um, people not necessarily saying what they actually mean. Yeah, like, I mean, the sarcasm, this is interesting. What Anne's talking about is kind of how in Japan, I remember we talked about this a few months back, how in Japan think people are very indirect, right? Mm. Like, um, I remember one time the window was open and the room was getting cold and the teacher said to me, oh, it's getting cold in here, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. If she just asked me to close the window, I would have, but I didn't really catch the nuance. <laughs> right, okay. Until she okay. did it like three times and I said... Yeah, and I said, like, should I close the window? She went, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And I was like, oh, could have just asked me first time. She sounds quite quite lazy. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? I think she was nearer the window as well. (laughs) Another bit of memory. But, um, yeah, it does happen quite a lot. Another example, I remember I was wearing a shirt that wasn't, I think the, the sleeves came up quite high and revealed a lot of my arm Mm. um, on a shirt in summer. And even in, you know, even in summer in Japan when you're working, you have to be dressed relatively smart Mm. and not show much skin or whatever. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they kept, every time I wore this specific t-shirt or shirt or whatever, it showed too much of my arm and people always commented on it. So in the end, I just switched it. And that's something you get quite a lot. People always hinting at something. They want you to do something, but they're not direct about it. I don't know whether or not it's sarcasm. I suppose it is a form of sarcasm, but it's not the sarcasm that we know of, right? the sarcasm that so frequently gets us into trouble uh, in the UK and America and uh, around. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I suppose it's frequent. Any thoughts on that? Too many. Um, I, I think uh, being told how to dress would uh, kind of grind my gears a little bit, but I guess if you're in a work setting, you kind of have to uh, just, just, just go with the go with the flow of that particular situation. You do see, like, um, yeah. men with very short... For, uh, sorry, short-sleeved... Uh, Shirts. Uh, there is a lot of um, mm. kind of bus driver chic going on in the uh, male working community. I was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question is from Will. 
Uh, he says, hi chaps, I only just got involved with the podcast this week and I'm finding it very helpful oh. in preparation for my upcoming year teaching at an Ekaiwa, which is a English language school. However, since I live in China at the moment and therefore have intense difficulty getting onto YouTube, I have a question regarding Niigata, Niigata City. Have either of you guys ever been there and do you think it's the kind of place where a gaijin, a foreigner, can survive for a year? Thanks a lot, lads. Will. Um... I don't think you've you've never been to Niigata. No, have you? no, never been to Niigata. Mr. Donaldson. I'll throw my two cents in then. Niigata's an all right prefecture. In the winter, it's very snowy, a lot of snow. Um, I've made, I think I've made two or three videos there though. Uh, one of them was, and this is something good, the sake vending machines. They're oh, in Niigata City. They're in I the station that. actually, just around the back of the station. So, the day you arrive in Niigata, will. Uh, that's the first thing you should do. Over 200 vending machines filled with sake from around Niigata Prefecture. What a great way to kick off your time in Niigata. Um, <laughs> what else is there? There's Sado Island. I filmed there, made a video there. I love Sado Island. Beautiful little getaway island. But, I mean, the prefecture's pretty good, and it is well-connected. Niigata City's only, I think, an hour from Tokyo by bullet train. Hour, hour and a half. So, really well-connected to Tokyo as well. So there's a lot going for it, and it's it's famous for its sake because apparently the uh, the rice is of really high quality in Niigata or something. I don't really know. They all prefectures say that in Japan, but yeah. anyway, all I do know is the sake I've had in Niigata is always exceptional. So yeah, I think it's a great place to live, and I did I did even think about living there at one point instead of Sendai because I wanted to still say I wanted to still kind of live in between Tokyo and uh, Tohoku and Yamagata yeah. Prefecture. And Niigata and Sendai are kind of both equidistant between Yamagata and Tokyo. The reason Sendai won is it's bigger. It's bigger and there's more going on in Sendai in general. So it was a better fit. And also I met Ryotaro, uh, who kind of tempted me and uh, lured me in. So, yeah, I nearly did, end up, nearly did end up there. But I think you'll have a great time, Will. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to you there. Hey there, Chris and Pete. Really love the podcast this week. This weekly helping of useful and entertaining Japanese info is invaluable. Just back from our first trip to Tokyo and found that, as you guys say, a lack of Japanese does not cause huge issues, though we did feel frustrated with ourselves that we couldn't understand more. Uh, we did try to use our very limited Japanese, but always ended up just saying, wakarimasen, uh. I don't understand, when we got a reply. Uh... Also, how do people say arigato gozaimasu so fast? By the time we got the words out, the people we were talking to had moved on. The one problem we did encounter was in popular restaurants, a lot of us, uh, a lot of the time, we had a waiting list outside where we had to leave our name in Japanese and wait to be called. How do you recommend handling this other than going somewhere else, which is what we did? Planning a return soon and eat some quality okonomiyaki, pancake. Uh, thanks, Catriona. Um... That's that's quite easy. Just write your name in English. Oh, they don't mind. They can read it out if it's in Romaji. If it's in English, they can still read it. But that whole that um, whole dynamic so, though, like of kind of waiting outside and waiting for someone to call your name, is kind of confusing. But uh, yeah. do send us in your questions, guys, to Abroad Japan Podcast at Gmail dot com. We're always here. Yeah. Uh, but for now, that's it, Pete. We're off, aren't we? We're off. We're out of here. I'm, uh, I'm going off on holiday. Korea. That's all right. I'm off to Korea. Yeah. I'm going to step in in uh, Fukuoka for a weekend. So hopefully I'll get involved in the uh, $12.95 um, KFC all-you-can-eat <laughs> offer at some point. We'll get your full review when you get back. Uh, but for now, guys, as always, thanks for joining. We'll be back same time next Wednesday. And good luck to Pete on your holiday. Have a good one, mate. Thanks, Don't man. Don't too much chicken, for the love of God. <laughs> we'll speak next week. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. 
See you later, guys. Bye. Have a good week. Bye.